So um, the series I'm doing is called, called Getting to Know Jesus, and uh, it's out of the Gospel of Mark. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the parable of the sower, which Jesus says is the most um, important parable of them all, because it's the secret of the kingdom, and once you understand what he's trying to say through the parable of the sower, you begin to understand the whole of the kingdom. And remember I said to you, the, the image he uses, the, the word he uses is the mystery of the kingdom, and he is the mystery. He is the secret of the kingdom of God. And so as we begin to understand who Jesus is and what he's come to do, everything else begins to make sense. And I said to you, sometimes if you're not saved, when you read the scripture, it's like you're reading, um, you just don't understand anything. But once you understand the secret, once you understand who Jesus is, then suddenly when you read the scripture, it makes sense. And you begin to understand how the whole thing fits together. And so... I'd like to call this message this morning, Small Beginnings, but Great Endings. And we're going to look at the verses after the parable of the sower, from verse 21 to verse 34. And there are four little sayings here that seem to be disconnected, but actually they're not disconnected. They all point back to what Jesus says in the parable of the sower, and they reinforce in different ways the key things that he was trying to say in the parable of the sower. And so we're going to have a look at these four little sayings this morning. And I trust you'll be encouraged and built up and refreshed. So, Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through to verse 34. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one that has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground, and he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seeds sprout and grow, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they are able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his disciples he explained everything. So Father, thank you for your word this morning, and I pray as we look at it together, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would explain everything, that you would bring revelation to us. And Lord, we thank you for your promise that if we seek your kingdom, we will find it, and if we are diligent in seeking it out as gold, we will be rewarded. And so I pray this morning that by your Spirit you would come and encourage us, refresh us, every single one, 
in your word that it might bear a great harvest in our lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. All right, so just to refresh you, your memory um, from what we did last week, uh, remember I tried to focus on two things last week. The first thing was to just make you aware that the primary goal of the, the evil one, the devil, is to try and rob God's word from you and to rob God's word from me. And uh, he's committed to doing that and to distract us so that we don't get the word of God into our hearts. And I said to you at the same time that uh, we hold that intention with the great joy that this parable promises that for those of us that hear the Word of God and allow it to take root in our hearts, it has a supernatural harvest. It is a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. And so that's the great promise. That's the great joy of this, um, this parable as well. And so we did have a look and saw that there were three ways that the devil tries to rob the Word of God from us. Remember I said he tries to rob it immediately through our inattention, just letting our minds wander through ill will that we kind of don't... Uh, we, we are, in a sense, um, what's the word? Uh, offended by the truth of the gospel or, or, or just simple ignorance. We can't hear what the gospel is saying. And Jesus used that uh, little phrase, the seed sown along the path, to illustrate that that's how the seed is robbed from us immediately. And then I said the, the devil doesn't give up, and if he can't rob it from you immediately, he's going to try eventually to rob it from you. And there were two ways that we had a look at. He, I said, first of all, uh, Jesus uses the image of um, the, rocking gro- the, the rocky ground, and that speaks of just being battered through your life through hard times. And the devil tries to rob you in the sense of saying, it's actually not, it's not worth it to hang on to the Word of God. You're going through all these hard things, these, these uh, difficulties. Just give up and uh, things will be better for you. That's how the devil tries to, to rob uh, eventually. And the third way was with the, scene, the, the seed sown on the thorny ground. And I said, if he can't get, get you with those two ways, the third way he um, tries to get you is with the promise of prosperity. That actually, if you just give up on the kingdom of God, things will go better with you. And actually, he entices us with this promise of prosperity. And that's what it says. It says, the cares of this world, wealth and everything else, associated with that, it grows up and it chokes the Word of God in our lives. I said to you, particularly in the West, and it's something we have to guard against living in the UK, is that really what the devil tries to motivate us with, if we give up on the kingdom of God, is that you're going to get a real big banker's balance. You'll be guaranteed of a great house, and you'll have a guaranteed Caribbean holiday or wherever you like to go. That's, that's what he entices us with and says, don't go so hard after God's kingdom because you can enjoy all those things. And if you go hard after God's kingdom, you're going to lose all of that. And the great irony is that Jesus promises if we go hard after the kingdom, all these things will be added to us anyway. And so I concluded, I said, well, let's try and cultivate some good habits as a church this, this year, as a church community. Uh, to resist the work of the evil one. Because remember I said 1 John, uh, Jesus said this is why he came to destroy the works of the evil one. And I try to encourage you with that. And I gave you some simple pra- practical suggestions of how we can learn to uh, receive the word of God. And I said it's all about preparation. The soil of our hearts is the thing that we need to um, be preparing. And so how we come when our we come together in our corporate times is very important. Are we prepared? Are we waiting? Are we open? Are we listening? Are we saying, God, speak to us? 
And then I secondly said that to, when we listen to the preaching of God's Word, we have to listen attentively with all of our might. We have to, there's a, sometimes an inward struggle that we have to go through to hear what God is saying. And then thirdly, that when we receive God's Word, we receive it with joy. And I don't have time to revisit those things, but please listen to the podcast if you missed out. And that really brings us to this portion of what I'd like to look at this morning, these four little sayings. In verse 21, the lamp, and verse 24, it's the saying that Jesus says we will receive back in the measure that we have given. Verse 25, this puzzling saying that to him who has much, even more will be given, and he who has a little, even that little will be taken away from him. What does that mean? And then he concludes with a little story about the mustard seed. So what does Jesus mean by these things? How do we understand them? Remember I told you that all of these parables point us back to the kingdom. That's what Jesus is trying to get our attention in. He came preaching the kingdom, and now he's trying to get us to always look back at what he's saying through his kingdom coming. And these four things, I believe, this morning, point us back to the central message of the parable of the sower. And he, God wants to speak to us this morning to strengthen those things once again uh, in our lives. And it's interesting, in Mark's Gospel, these four little examples come one after each other. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, they scattered all over the Gospel of Matthew. They don't occur in this chronological order. You can see Matthew 5.15, Matthew 10.26, Matthew 31.12, and Matthew 25.29 all contain these same four little stories, but obviously scattered over the whole gospel. And I was just thinking about that. I thought, well, why is that? How come here in Mark's gospel, they occur simultaneously all together, and in Matthew's gospel, they scattered all over the place? Well, I, I, I think it's this. I think that Jesus was a brilliant preacher. <laughs> I think he was a great communicator. I think people remembered what Jesus said. And isn't it sometimes true of all of us that we can remember what people have said, but we're not quite sure where they said it? We, we, we don't remember the place, but we remember exactly what they said. And I think that's what is, this has happened in Mark's gospel. These things that Mark has remembered Jesus said, he can't necessarily remember the place, but he remembers the detail of what Jesus was communicating, and he writes it down straight one after the other as it comes to his memory. And so I think... He does that because they reinforce the central parable of, uh, of the parable of the sower. And this is the first thing that I think these stories reinforce. One, I've got four little points for you this morning. The first thing, the kingdom will be seen eventually. This is what is Jesus is trying to say in these four little stories. The kingdom will be seen eventually. The fullness of God's kingdom will be seen eventually. And that is why he starts off with this little parable of the lamp. He says, uh, you bring a lamp into a dark room to bring light to the room. You don't bring a lamp into a dark room and put it under a bed. You put it on a stand. It would be pointless to try and light a room and then put the light under the bed. And so in the same way, Jesus is saying, he is the light of the world. He is the king. He's the, he's the king of the kingdom. And he's been brought by God into the world to demonstrate God's royal power in a sense, we sing that song, uh, light of the world, you came down into darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. He is the light. He is the king. He is the one that's come to bring light. And in a, we might think that the light is making slow progress. We might think the light is not shining as much as it could in the darkness. But it's God's intention that his kingdom will be seen by everybody eventually. 
And this is, this, is the, this is the tension of Christianity, isn't it? Jesus, His kingdom has come. It is coming. It transforms people. It transforms people one by one as they understand it and it takes root in their life. And as they, as they understand it and it takes root in their lives, the light begins to shine more and more brightly. But sometimes we think the progress of the light is too slow. Isn't that true? There's still so much evil in the world. There's still so much darkness. And yet the promise of the kingdom is that the light is dispelling the darkness and everyone will see it eventually. There are some that see it now, but there will be those. The world will see it eventually. The whole of the world will see it eventually. And so his point is, using this little illustration, Jesus is saying that his kingdom will be seen, the harvest is sure, and it will come eventually. And the point is, this slowness in sometimes, the slowness of the kingdom coming, has got nothing to do with God's intention. It's got everything to do with people's hearts. That's what the parable of the sower says, isn't it? The only thing that is, is different, the sower has the same seed, the sower is consistent. What is different is the state of the soil into which the word is received. And that's exactly what um, Jesus is saying again here. It's not that God's inadequate, it's that people, their hearts are hard. And they don't get the kingdom, and they don't perceive the kingdom, and the fullness of the kingdom is seen by those who hear the word and receive the word and allow it to take root in their hearts, and then it bears fruit. And so Jesus makes the simple point about the light and the lamp, and then he, he kind of reinforces it again and says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. And the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even the little he has will be taken away. Doesn't that confuse you? Doesn't that seem like Jesus is being mean? And saying, the one who has more will be given, even take away the little from the one who has little. And he uses this, um, this phrase, the measure you use will be measured, will, will be the measure with which you receive. And this is what I think these verses are meaning. It's a very profound thing. Jesus is saying, the sovereign work of God... His work is sovereign, His grace is sovereign, the gospel is sovereign. It blesses us to the extent that we seek it. That's what He's saying. The kingdom of God is a blessing to us to the measure that we actually go after it and we seek it with all of our hearts. That's the measure that it blesses us back. And it's completely opposite to the way of the world, isn't it? Um, there's a, there's a, uh, I love the charities in, in this nation, but the real thing is that Charitable giving is that those who have much need to give to those they don't have. Isn't that right? That's, that's why we give through charities. And yet Jesus is saying an opposite thing. He seems to be saying this. He's saying that as we experience the kingdom in a different way, those that are given the secrets of the kingdom and they receive them and they take hold of them to, to those that understand the kingdom, more is given. And... Those who are impoverished, who don't seem to understand the things of the kingdom, even the little that they have is taken away from them. Well, what does that mean? I, I, I think I try to think of some practical illustrations to, to help us see what Jesus is trying to say. Um, I think that what Jesus is saying here is true of, for example, study. Uh, what I mean by that? Well, the more you prepare to give to a certain subject, the more you'll get out of it. 
There's this thing my boys have been telling me. They read something somewhere that 10,000 hours of practice at any discipline makes you an expert. Did you know that? 10,000 hours, they did this study of musicians, artists, people that were expert in their field, and they discovered that all of these people that were experts had at least 10,000 hours of attention given to that particular thing. So if you want to become a concert violinist, 10,000 hours of practice will guarantee you become an expert if you have got some talent. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. What you put in, the measure that you put in is the measure that you receive back. It's the same with the kingdom. The measure we put in is the measure that we receive back. It's the same that we, uh, is true of worship. When we come together every Sunday, I want to put it to you like this. If we come every Sunday simply to get, simply to receive, if you walk through those doors and say, I've come to get this morning and I want to be entertained this morning, it's likely that if that is your attitude, you will find fault with the musicians. You'll say, well, they didn't play particularly well today. You'll find fault with the preacher, whoever that might be. You might say, well, I don't like his style, I don't like his tone, his illustrations were poor. You might not like the way the coffee is served to you afterwards. If you come with that thing of, I've come to get what I can. Surely, if we come with an opposite attitude of saying, I've come to give, I've come to contribute through my presence and through my prayer and through my worship, that this place can resound with the praises of God and we can feel something of God's presence with us, surely, if we come with an act, a mindset of, I've come to contribute towards this corporate act of worship, we will get a whole lot more. And if we don't, so surely our, our prayer should be, what can I contribute to the service? We'll get far more out of it if we come with that attitude. With the measure we use, the measure will be measured back to us and we will receive. Perhaps we come uh, without expectation on a Sunday. Uh, maybe we come out of a result of habit or routine, or this, this is the place that we actually have some social needs met. We kind of get to meet some similar people and we come with that motivation. Well, I want to suggest to you, if we come with that motivation, we're still not going to receive the fullness of what we can receive that God wants to do in us. Remember, our primary, the only reason we have to gather every Sunday is to worship God, is to meet with Him, is to be changed into the likeness of His Son. That's the only, we don't have any other motivation to come, <laughs> really. And we might come to worship without being prepared. Uh, I tried to encourage you last week to prepare the soil of your heart so that you will receive all that God has for you week on week. So the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so Jesus really is reinforcing, again, this little parable of the sower and the kingdom coming and how the kingdom comes. And thirdly, I was thinking about this. It's not only to do with study and worship, but it's also true of effort, isn't it? I know there's some guys that enjoy exercise in this church, and this is the truth of exercise. The more strength you have in your body, the more you exercise your body, the more you gain by training. Isn't that true? So the more you train your body, the more your body will be able to do. If you allow your body to get out of shape, to become flabby and unfit, even in the end, even the small measure of strength that you have, you lose it. And that's why when people get really overweight and they walk upstairs, <laughs> they breathe like that, and why? Because the small measure of strength that they have is removed. 
because your body is not fit. So what I'm trying to say, this is true with any skill, craft, anything. The more we give to that thing, the more we get out of that thing. And so, this is the parable that Jesus is trying to um, illustrate here. The receiving back in the measure that we give is making to the point, the point to us that the fullness of the kingdom will be seen eventually. This is the crucial question. This is the profound point. Who perceives that kingdom now? Who will respond to that kingdom now? Who will give everything that they can to see that kingdom now? That's the point, isn't it? That's really what he's driving at. He's saying, the kingdom is coming, it is here. Can you see it? Can you see it? If you see it, are you going to give everything you have to that kingdom? So there can't be much fruit in your life. That's the critical point. And then he says, he reinforces that. He says, pay attention to what you hear. That's why he says it. <laughs> it requires, to perceive the kingdom, to see the fullness of the kingdom, requires that we pay attention because when we pay attention, God gives us more revelation and we understand more. With the measure you use, it's the measure you receive back. And my point is very simple, really, that none of us stays stationary in the kingdom. We are either moving backwards or we're moving forwards. We are either increasing in God's blessing in our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, or we are going backwards. There's no stationary measure. To the measure you use... The measure that you receive back. So that's the second point that Jesus uses, um, illustrates a little bit more clearly. The third point is this, is that the kingdom will grow. <laughs> the kingdom will grow. And so he uses this little story. He talks about the man scattering seed over a field. And it says he gets on with his life. He gets on with his business. He eats, he sleeps, he does whatever he does. And uh, while he's even sleeping, the seed is growing. While he is just doing his normal daily routine, the seed is steadily growing. And that encourages me in such a great measure. You know, the farmer doesn't go back and dig up the seed to see if it's growing. He doesn't run around spending his time, you know, going around the field digging up the seeds. Are the carrots growing? Are the cabbages growing? He just, he knows that the seed is growing. He knows that it's germinating and it's doing what it needs to do. It's got power of itself. And so what does he do? He prays for rain. He prays that the sun will shine. He, he, that's what he can do. And he, he prays that what is already there will germinate. What is already there will bear fruit. And so it's not the responsibility of men and women to get the kingdom of God to grow. Yeah? I read something this week that simply said this. It said, our primary responsibility, every one of us, is to preach the good news of salvation to everyone that we can. Uh, my job is not to get you to behave better. It's not my job. My job is not to get you to be honest and to fill in your tax return properly. It's not my job. My job is not to get you to be a better husband. It's not my job. If I am doing my job, and whoever preaches from this pulpit is doing their job, and if you are doing your job in your own uh, life groups, meeting people for lunch, whatever, and you are centering your life on the Word of God, and the Word of God is getting into your heart and transforming you from the inside out, you will be a better husband. <laughs> you will fill in your tax return honestly. 
Yes, you will do all of those things which are outward behaviors because inwardly you are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And I, I want to just say that so encourages me as a preacher. It's not that I'm saying I don't have any responsibility, but actually that's what the Scripture says. It says, God makes things grow. We sow the seed. We preach the good news. We point people towards redemption, which is in Jesus, and then we trust the Holy Spirit to take what is sown in people's hearts, to germinate it, to produce fruit, so that it grows and grows and grows, and everybody can see that the life is changed. Amen? You're very quiet. Am I too serious this morning? Okay, and so let me say over this church this morning, I want to say, this is only a small little expression of the fullness of God's kingdom, I understand that, but I want to say over us, the harvest will come. The harvest is guaranteed. We will see it with our eyes in our lifetime. We will see God's harvest. And I said, uh, whose wedding was it the other day? I can't remember. But I said, um, one of the things that I find really, really wonderful as a pastor is to journey with people's lives. Oh, it was Richard and Jill's wedding. Journey in people's lives over a period of time. Because you see them change. You see the Holy Spirit doing an amazing thing in their lives. You see Jesus bring a canary and a dragon together. (laughs) Where is the canary today? He's working. Richard is a Norwich supporter. He's a canary. And Jill is a Welsh dragon. She's a... (laughs) And God brings canaries and dragons together and changes them. It's a wonderful thing. That's really good. So, every farmer does work hard, though, and that's a given. Every, I, I know some farmers personally, and they are the guys that get up earliest. They work all day. They work late. But every, every farmer knows that he can't make anything grow himself. He does what he does, and uh, the growth comes supernaturally. So, it's not a, king, a question of whether God's kingdom is going to come. God's kingdom is going to come. It's a question of who will benefit from God's kingdom. Who will benefit from God's kingdom? His reign is coming. Will we allow His reign to come completely in our lives? And so, there is this crucial tension in the kingdom, isn't there? There's this powerful seed that is strong, and the fullness of the fruit of that seed will be guaranteed. And yet, at the same time, the kingdom is weak in this sense, is that you can stop the kingdom coming in your life by resisting the seed, by resisting the work of the Spirit, by hardening your heart. And so we have this tension. The fullness of the kingdom will come, and yet we can resist what God wants to do in our hearts by simply not receiving or hearing with deaf ears. And that brings me to the final point that I want to make this morning. And uh, I've been brief this morning. Isn't that impressive, eh? The final thing that Jesus says is in the parable of the mustard seed. And I love this story. It's a very simple story. But again, it's illustrating this thing of the fullness of the kingdom coming. And it simply is this, that the kingdom has small beginnings, but it has big endings. And so he tells, to illustrate this point, Jesus tells the story of the mustard seed, this tiny, tiny little seed that is sown and you can't even, when you sow the seed, you can't even begin to imagine how much is going to happen through that little seed. You, you, you don't begin to even understand. And he says in the end, eventually this 
tree grows, which was famous in the Middle East in the in ancient world for its foliage that it provided for birds um, as to have their nests. And so Jesus is trying to get his disciples, and I believe the Holy Spirit will try and get us to understand this at, at the same time, that the kingdom of God often has tiny beginnings that we have no idea of what God is going to do through those tiny beginnings, and tiny seeds are sown, and yet the ending is great. Yet the fullness of the picture is brilliant. What, 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 what did people think that a poor carpenter's son in the despised back-end province of Galilee, in the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, this tiny little insignificant thing, Jesus of Nazareth, who alongside the Roman Empire must have looked insignificant, absolutely a speck of dust. And yet 2,000 years later, look what God has done through the life of his son in the lives of millions and millions and millions of people. I want to encourage you with that. What seeds of faith has God sown into your life? What did God say to you this morning? You might feel in the worship God said something to you and it seems as insignificant as a tiny, tiny little seed. You might have been walking with Jesus for only a short space of time. Maybe you feel like you don't understand anything of the kingdom. You feel like the kingdom inside of you is just such a tiny little insignificant speck. You you can't see the fullness of, of, of that little thing. I want to encourage you, that little seed can grow into something magnificent that can affect many and many can find rest in your in and through your life because of what Jesus is doing in you. Yeah? So what do we do then? We pray. We pray for that seed. We welcome the reign of the Holy Spirit. We say every time we we get together, we come with soft hearts saying, Jesus, speak to me again this morning. Refresh me. Water me. Expose yourself to the, the Son of God's Word. Yeah? The Word of God. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Read it. Discuss it. That's why I encourage you again with the, with the Bible course. We're not trying to make intellectuals of this church. We are trying to get you to be able to understand the word for yourself so it's life to you. That you can read it and know exactly what's happening so it brings life to you. Yes? That's why I want you to read the word. We can pray. We worship. This is how we water the word of God in our lives and it produces much fruit. There was a small seed that was sown 14 years ago, a tiny little seed. There were six of us that got together in our home. When we arrived in Watford, with two suitcases and our two little boys, because we felt God had called us to come here. That was the seed. It seemed absolutely insignificant. And here we are 14 years later, the seed has grown a little bit. And I have to say that the testimony of God's goodness is that hundreds of people have been blessed through the ministry of this church. Tiny little seed. Have we done everything right? No. Have we had our ups? Yes, we have. Have we had our fights? Yes, we have. Up and down. Yeah. The journey's been like that. But God has used it in an incredible way. And hundreds and hundreds of people know a little bit more of his kingdom because of a tiny, tiny little seed that seemed insignificant at the time. So I want to encourage you, whatever God has spoken to you, whatever seed he's planted in your life, Trust that it's going to grow into the fullness of what God has, that many will find rest through your life. Amen?